I'm Jeff Cassette, and this is the Ticker Podcast. I have been a professional vote tabulator for almost 45 years. Ever since college, I've been what's called a deputy returning officer in Canadian federal elections. That basically means I sit in a church basement, people come up to me, and vote. At the end of the night, I empty a cardboard box on a table, and I count the votes. Which means people living in my polling area are trusting me to ensure the accuracy of voting results. So, they get absolute ironclad assurance. But even beyond that, sometimes there are party scrutineers, basically peering over my shoulder. So it's me, plus a nice Conservative Party housewife, a retired liberal librarian lady, and maybe a kid from the NDP. It's basically a blockchain. Works great. Total bulwark of democracy. Literally couldn't ask for better. And tabulating the votes really isn't rocket science. It's arithmetic. Well, actually, at the end of the day, there can sometimes come the flutter of a minor heart attack when you realize the ledger's tally is off a vote or two. Something somewhere is somehow askew. Fortunately, though, tracing back to the source of the glitch isn't exactly a long and winding road. It's all there in front of you. Electors represent themselves, and you've got a poll clerk to help figure it all out. So, to recap... Making sure votes are counted as cast in a democratic state's public election is mind-bogglingly simple. So simple, even, that I could do it. For a very long time, the same level of trust and assurance could not be said for corporate elections. There is certainly a perception that there are challenges with the current proxy system. On this sticker podcast, Broadridge Financial Solutions Chief Legal Officer Keir Gums on what new end-to-end vote confirmation means for capital markets, issuers, and IROs. But first, here's your IR News Update. Activist investors may find it harder to stealthily build stakes in U.S. companies. That's after the SEC outlined new rules covering the disclosure of beneficial holdings. The U.S. regulator has proposed cutting the deadline for revealing a stake of at least 5% from 10 days to 5 and classing certain derivatives as part of an investor's position. The move is being seen as a victory for U.S. IR Association NERI following years of lobbying. It seems U.S. biotechs aren't big on ESG disclosure. New research by law firm Fenwick shows just 30% of the development stage public companies surveyed mention ESG issues, except for diversity, in their public disclosures. Fenwick notes biotechs are more likely to report on ESG issues the longer they are public companies. Finally, IROs tend to be a confident bunch, and recent IR Magazine research shows they're even more confident than ever. Here with us again is Garnet Roach to tell us all about it in this month's IR Research Rock Pile. Hi, Garnet. Hi, Jeff. I'm back to talk about some of our research, and I'll be looking at a few findings from our crisis management report. I guess the question is, do you feel better able to handle a crisis now that you've experienced the surreal challenges of a global pandemic? It seems that IROs do. More than 8 in 10 find that their experience of the COVID-19 pandemic has made them more confident in handling any future crisis, according to our research. And this crisis confidence boost is seen across all regions and cap sizes, with IROs saying that the 
with IRO saying that the pandemic has been valuable. A key takeaway has been the importance of regular, transparent communication with all stakeholders. Some respondents to the research also appear more confident and less vulnerable in expressing the uncertainties that they face, something that is seen as an important lesson for handling future crisis. As one IRO puts it, we had good reception in flagging known impacts early, even if we couldn't quantify them financially. At companies that already had a formal plan in place, 7 out of 10 say that the playbook has since been updated with the pandemic's challenges in mind. So what have they actually been adding? IROs say that many plans were updated to include pandemics for the first time, no surprise there. But there's also been a huge range of topics that have been thrust into the spotlight by COVID, many of which are now part of companies' crisis plans, such as employee well-being and remote working. You can find more information on our crisis management report and all our other research on our website. End-to-end vote confirmation is essentially a communication back to shareholders that their brokers received their vote instructions and that those instructions, votes, were cast and included in the final tally. So, if the legitimacy of corporate elections was ever called into doubt, and they have been called into doubt, this solves that problem. Right? Here's Keir Gums. It could. It okay. could. I mean, so, so two important data points. Um, the first one is there is certainly a perception that, the, that, that there are challenges um, with the current proxy system. Now, I'm not saying I agree with them, but, but I've, just to acknowledge uh, the perception, it is there. And one of the things that people talk about is what you just said, which is this idea that there's uncertainty about whether people's votes are actually getting counted as cast and whether the final vote tallies are the actual reflection of uh, people's voting intentions and things of that nature. And I, I will just say as a factual, so that's one fact, and I have to acknowledge that. As above, but on so the below. Other side, the irony of it all, though. Yes, yes, well, that is a better system than the one we used to elect our <laughs> president so in, in national office. Absolutely. It is a, here's a, so I can't speak for every single participant in the process, but I can certainly talk about Broadridge and what we do okay. and why people shouldn't have that perception around the process. And, and also acknowledging that we need to do a better job of explaining what it is we do so that people have a higher degree of, of confidence. And by the way, end-to-end vote confirmation is part of that. But just as a pure, again, factual matter, so we have as part of our, our process, so you know, we, we process a significant portion of votes cast uh, here, not just in the United States globally, in annual shareholder meetings. Right. And, and in, the, in that role that we play, we're basically acting as the agent typically for banks and brokers who, uh, at least in the United States, are typically the record holders of shares for, for most publicly held companies. And as part of the services that we provide to banks and brokers, not only are we helping them in forwarding materials to uh, their customers who are the ultimate beneficial owners and soliciting their voting instructions and aggregating those voting instructions and turning them into tabulators like yourself and then turning out a, a final vote tally, the other thing that we do is we provide um, annually audits for our process. And there's tons of audits that we do. And there's, I can't, it's, again, it's a long list, but I, we'll focus on audits that are focused on the proxy process. 
And when we have, and those audits are done by, you know, a third party, uh, one of the big, big four uh, uh, accounting firms, uh, consulting firms in this case, it's the consulting uh, side. You mean of the audits, house. pardon me, they pardon, 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 audits of the accuracy of vote tallies? Yes. Okay. Exactly. It's exactly what I was going to say. It's the accuracy of the vote tallies. So, you know, how, what percentage of votes were, uh, were, you know, received by us, given to the tabulator, and returned? And just to pause on this, Factually, uh, and these reports are you know publicly available, and we talk about them. We talked about them, or at least the conclusions are available. We talked about them in the context of our proxy solicitation last year for our annual meeting. On average, they confirm that we have received and processed 99.9% of votes every single year, right? And so that is a fact. That's a fact. It's that we have a third party, and it's important to to start with that because. End-to-end vote confirmation isn't really about improving the process per se, because the process works very well. What it's really about is reinforcing the level of trust that people have in the process, because the process works. People's you know, materials get delivered to, to, uh, to the ultimate end investor. The, the voting instructions from those investors are collected. They're turned into the tabulator, and literally less than uh, 15 basis points, so 0.15 of all of those votes are rejected on average. And, and that's, again, um, looked at and verified, validated by uh, of the audit, auditors that we bring in every single year. And I think that's a really important fact. But the other fact is where this all started. Putting that, that in context, that wouldn't have changed the outcome of any of these elections. Is that, is that what you're saying? No, no. And in fact, no, abs- not even close. Like, you know, on, on average, and in fact, the, the, the biggest, the, the holy grail, so to speak, for voting and in-to-in vote confirmation is in the context of a proxy contest. Because realistically, that's the place where, I mean, don't get me wrong, every year the director elections, say on pay, ratification of auditors, all of those things are very, very important. And I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to demean the importance of those things, right? Those are all, all important um, votes. But where the rubber meets the road it's typically around proxy contests. And the thing about proxy contests, and, and, and without speaking of naming any you know, specific ones, individual contests over the last few years, it is not unusual in a proxy contest when, to have a situation where at the end of the meeting, there's some uncertainty around some of the votes, right? Where it may take a few more days, and there have been a number of high-profile elections in contests over the last few years where that's happened. But here's the thing that people don't realize. The votes that we are processing on behalf of banks and brokers, so that's kind of the street name, beneficial owner side of the house, those are typically done within minutes, if not at the same time, of, the, of contested meetings ending. So it's not our side of the house. Often it's on the registered side of the house, which is more complicated. And again, contests are complicated for many reasons, but it's important to note the, the part of the proxy process that we are uh, effectively you know, processing on behalf of banks and brokers, that process is usually done at the same time or within minutes of the meeting, whether it's a contested meeting or uncontested meeting. And Very you, important. And you want to move that forward? Well, it's not only do we want to move it forward, the end state for I mean, any I mean, confirmation. Earlier, yeah. right. Well, well, you know, again, in most meetings, it's done by the time the meeting happens. I mean, like the, the, the changes in which, um, you know, the changes that happen, the last minute changes often are very small. In a proxy contest, because of 
the importance of the contest, the fact that there's typically two tabulators, all those sorts of things happening. It is. Uh, it we want to want to be extra careful with with the results as we give them to the tabulator to the issuer. So we may deliberately take our time to make sure that what we're giving is final. But what we're giving is final. Our our results typically do not change, in, even in a proxy contest. Okay. That the, the same can't be said typically in a reg, for the re, registered part of the solicitation. So just huh. again, it's an important fact for people to know. For Routine meetings, so non-contested meetings, um, it's even less of an issue. You typically, as I said, 99.9% of votes are received and included, and we can deliver the vote report at the time of the meeting uh, with very few changes that have happened during the meeting itself. And so end-to-end vote confirmation isn't about the, the, the kind of strengthening of those processes. It's about providing investors with more confidence about those processes. It's really about providing them with the ability to, on their own, independently verify and validate that their vote has been cast as they've instructed their, uh, their banker broker. And that's, so this, that's really this, what this is all about. This process was, was happening anyway. It just wasn't transparent. Yep. Now it is. Yes. And, and now, now, to be clear, there are things we've had to do different because... So the vote the, it, again. You've been a tab. You're, you're a tabulator, so you know that you've got um, different things. You've got uh, the votes being accepted, and then there's there's the additional step of sending something back to an investor could to confirm that that individual investor's votes have been received and included in the voting tally as they instructed, which is a a much higher bar than just accepting the vote itself. Uh, and, and and maybe it's worth just spending thirty seconds on that. When you think about the typical proxy solicitation, you've got two types of invest, two types of investors. You've got registered investors, and then you've got beneficial owners who own shares through banks or brokers. And companies on their share record books, they'll they'll have they'll know who the registered investors are because their their names and addresses are right there. Right. They won't typically know who the beneficial owners are because instead the beneficial owners hold their shares through nominees, through individual banks or brokers, who in turn hold through the biggest nominee, uh, at least in the U.S., which is CD and Co., right, the DTC. And so um, in, a, in a solicitation, the, no, the nominees, so the banks and brokers, even though they're holding the shares and investing them on behalf of their clients, are technically the record holders. And so from a voting uh, perspective, all of the shares, all of the votes that come in from the nominees, those are going to be reflected in the vote total. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but what end-to-end confirmation is really about is going beyond just the nominees themselves and going and speaking to the individual uh, investors who hold shares through the nominees. And, and so end-to-end confirmation is a step more, a step further than the kind of current system that we've got uh, with respect to voting. And, and, th- and there's a lot of work that's involved because basically, instead of just confirming things at the nominee level, you're now confirming to the nominee and then, then helping the nominee confirm at the individual investor level, which is a much higher degree of difficulty. Does that overlap at all into the whole universal proxy concept? The only part of it that really overlaps is that universal proxy makes things more complicated because now oh. in a proxy contest, for example, you've got not just the issuer's uh, nominees included on any given proxy card, but you also have the, 
the the nom the insurgent groups, the activist investor, their nominees on the proxy card, and so there's just more work that we have to build in uh, for that for you know for that process to work well. But it is distinct because in the invoke confirmation, first of all, the what we're doing this year. Uh, as it relates to end to end vote confirmation, is that we, as part of a broader industry initiative that includes the Council of Institutional Investors, the Society for Corporate Governance, and a, a number of, of large transfer agents, including ComputerShare, uh, Equinity, and of course the other agent uh, for banks and brokers, uh, Median, we've all come together and, and said collectively, we're going to provide end to end vote confirmation for all of the companies in the Fortune 500 where we are involved. So if any member of that group is acting as a tabulator and another and, and others are acting as soliciting agents for banks and brokers, we will provide end-to-end vote confirmation for those companies. And that is really, really significant because we've never done, as an industry, we've never provided end-to-end vote confirmation, uh, confirmation for more than, say, a hundred to a couple hundred companies. Never. So, so it's a massive, massive undertaking. And even though it sounds like a very simple thing, it's a lot of work that's involved. There was a lot of work in getting that group together to agree because many of us, frankly, are competitors, right? Because we're not, not all necessarily in the same page. And then on top of that, we each come at it with different uh, obligations, you know, for, for us and for media who typically represent the, the banks and brokers in the process. Uh, you know, we, we are, our primary role is to get the voting instructions from banks and brokers, um, aggregate those instructions, provide those to the tabulator, and then to push them back to the, to those nominees. For the, for the transfer agents, they, who typically are just representing the issuer, they have a different incentive. They're representing the issuer. They're not, not necessarily interested or have the capacity or resources to do the, the additional work to reconcile votes to allow the nominees to provide confirmation back to the end investor. And so it, it is actually quite significant that we were able to agree as a group that we were going to provide end-to-end confirmation to, uh, to the Fortune 500 because it's such a massive undertaking beyond what has been done historically. And let me just give you, let me just give you a real-world example because okay. it's, it's hard to talk about this thing generically. It's, it's much easier to, to explain with specifics. So let, let's take, uh, you know, Tear Gums Broker Dealer. Tear Gums Broker Dealer has a hundred shares, right, uh, of uh, of, a, of a company that's having an annual meeting, and seventy five of those shares are held at the DTC, and twenty, which is against the you know depository trust company CD and Co. And the other twenty five of those shares are held uh, in Canada, right? And so typically, what happens is that when there's a proxy solicitation, Tear Gums Broker Dealer receives the proxy materials. I would send them out to my customers. Those customers would send back voting instructions to me, and then I'd aggregate those voting instructions and turn in an omnibus proxy. Now, the way that some broker-dealers hold their shares, and using my example, 25 in Canada, 75 with the DTC here in the United States, they may, may turn in one omnibus proxy for all 100 shares without necessarily saying, okay, 25 of these are in Canada and 75 are with the DTC. And, and so, and, to, and then the tabulator, in turn, who's looking at the DTC position would say, wait a second, I only see 75 shares for Kier, Gums, and Co. You, you've overvoted, or you've tried to turn in more shares than you're actually entitled to vote. Right? That's you, and, the tabulator. And, and if that happens, and you've probably seen that, and if that happens, at the end of the process, 
then what, what, there's a little bit of a scramble because we broke Broadridge as the agent for, for Cure Gums and Co. Then has to say, wait a second, okay, Cure Gums and Co., where is that other 25 shares? Oh, they're held in Canada. Okay, let's get a different omnibus proxy so we can get to give, give to the tabulator. And, and if that happens w- within, you know, four or five days of the, of the annual meeting, then it's a lot of scrambling and you may not get it done in time. And so the, the 25 of those shares or potentially all 100 shares could be rejected by the tabulator if you don't coordinate earlier. And so part of this process, and probably the largest part of this process, is us as an industry working out what's the timing, what are the communication protocols, or what is the process going to be for figuring out what those entitlements are in time so that Keir Gums and Co. can vote all 100 of their shares even if 25 are in Canada and 75 are in the, are, are, you know, in the, with the DTC. Yeah. And so this process is part is a, a, around, you know, how tabulators, transfer agents, broker dealers, and their agents and issuers are all going to communicate to make sure that Keir Gums and Co. in that scenario is able to vote all 100 shares. And of course, so that the individual investors who have voted through Cure Gums and Co. are able to vote all of the shares to which they're entitled. And that's really a lot of what this end-to-end you know, vote confirmation process is about, is establishing what are the protocols, what's the timing, how are we going to communicate with each other, what do those communications look like, and then what's the end result? What, what is that, end of that, 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 that confirmation that's produced at the end. What does that look like? Who does it go to? How do they access it? And that's what this industry group has agreed on. And that's called early stage voting entitlement reconciliation, which makes sure everything basically bottom line happens way before the the annual meeting. Yes. Now, now to be clear, to be clear, there is widespread disagreement, I would say. It may be an understatement. There is disagreement, not all on the same page, believe it or not, about whether you need to start that process within, you know, three or four days of the record date, or whether you can do that at 10 days uh, at the, towards the end. Broadridge's approach historically um, has been to do the early stage entitlement. Our view is you got to start really, really early to make sure that none of those last minute reconciliation problems je- jeopardize the ability of a nominee to vote, right? But as you might imagine, uh, if you're a transfer agent and you don't necessarily represent the Baker broker, you may not want to, from a resource perspective, whether it be people, timing, technology, engage in that process early on. You might say, listen, I'll just tell you five days before the meeting or 10 days before the meeting. That's enough time. And so one of the things that we're actually doing as part of this, of this process is a little bit of a natural experiment in that we've agreed as a group that we're going to do the early stage entitlement for about 20 or so issuers. Uh, within that broader cohort of Fortune 500 companies. And then for everybody else, we're not going to do quote-unquote early stage entitlement, but we are going to agree on a process of reconciling entitlements so that we don't have that last minute scramble. And so one of the things that you'll see at the end of this process is we're going to look at it and say, does starting five days within the record date actually make a difference? Or is it okay to wait until, you know, 10 days before the meeting in order to do that, that reconciliation? And, and so that's one of the outcomes that we're going to be monitoring as part of this process. That's a pilot project you're talking about. Yeah. That, so, yeah. So the smaller group, that, that 10 or 20 or so, that's the pilot. But the broader Fortune 500 is not a pilot. We're not going to call it a pilot. This is the first okay. phase 
uh, of providing end-to-end vote confirmation more broadly. Like, it, you know, in an ideal world, at the end of the season, we're going to have two things that we can say. The first thing is that we'll be able to have demonstrated that we can confirm 99.9% of all votes um, to the end investor as a result of this process. That's goal number one. And I, I, I'm quite hopeful, but not just hopeful, I expect that we're going to get there. Goal number two is to have a lot, of, a lot more clarity around, do you need to start, do you need to do the early stage entitlement, or is it okay to wait till 10 days, and then it, or 10 days or 15, whatever it ends up being, and then if you do end up waiting, what are the right protocols that you need to have in place in order for that process to work so that you maximize the number of votes that are counted and minimize the number of votes that are rejected? And so those are our two primary goals. One, demonstrate for the world 99% votes are not only accepted, but also confirmed back to investors. And then second, have uh, a lot more uh, knowledge based on the expansion of, of end-to-end vote confirmation about how it can be done effectively, what the right processes and communications will be. And let me just add one additional... And, and so you're talking uh, about like, sort of like, like, like learning from that into 2023 yeah. kind of thing? Or, or what? Yes, oh, okay. exactly. That's exactly right. right. And the way I would frame it, you know, we, we have not yet talked about what, what the expansion would look like in 2023, but all of us across the board are committed to expanding it before beyond the Fortune 500. So in whether it goes from Fortune 500 to Fortune 1000 or Fortune 5000 next year, it's totally going to depend on what we learn this season. But that is everyone's universal goal on top of, again, developing a more common understanding about how we can do this efficiently. You're listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, the sound of global investor relations. So, that's great. The proxy ecosystem seems to, probably, after much effort, have figured out a way to provide end-to-end vote confirmation. Now investors can be super confident their votes are being counted. But how's this big new bowl of trust and assurance going to affect the average IRO's Tuesday? Here gums. Two things for, for IR people and for kind of the corporate secretary crowd. The first thing is that the, the industry is doing the Fortune 500. On top of that, Broadrich is doing every company for whom we act as tabulator, which is roughly another 2,300 companies. So at the end of this season, uh, if all goes according to plan, there will be about 28 to almost 2,900 companies that will have had end-to-end vote confirmation this year, and that, that w- which we think is pretty significant. What does that mean for corporate secretaries and IR people? I think it means two things. I think the first thing that it means uh, is that your investors should have a, a higher degree of confidence in how their votes were, were cast this year, and, and there will be receipts. It's not just going to be us saying it worked. For those 20, almost 2,900 companies, the investors will be able to go and look at proxyvote.com, uh, which is uh, one, of the, one of the places where they can get it, or they can download the app. There's an app that we have uh, where we'll be pushing confirmation out. So that's, so that's one thing, is that, that they can direct their shareholders to proxyvote.com or to the app to be able to see where my votes actually uh, included as cast. So that's one 
thing for IR professionals and corporate secretary folks to know. Hmm. The second thing for them to know is that they do play a role in this process. <laughs> it's very important that they know that. So um, we are we and media and really all of the participants in this process are going to be communicating with the issuers who are going to be subject to this, uh, uh, to, you know, to this expansion this year. So people know what what to expect um, and. One of the things that issuers can do to help us in this process is I mentioned earlier that one of the one of the challenges uh, with the way that shares are held is that some shares are held here in the DTC and some shares may be held in other places, including in Canada. And historically, uh, for issuers that have shareholders who hold shares through Canada, it that has been one of the hurdles to providing confirmation because. Uh, issuers and their uh, tabulators and or soliciting agents may not always reach out to get the Canadian depository system uh, entitlements. And so they'll, they'll reach out to the DTC to get its list of who owns their shares at the DTC. They may not always reach out to Canada to get their list of who owns their shares. And in order to do the reconciliation, they need to have both. And so one thing that issuers, corporate secretary and investor relation types should be doing is talking with their tabulator and their soliciting agents about getting a position list, not just from the DTC, but also from the Canadian depository system. That is very important, and that will help us all make sure that all of the votes that are cast are actually counted in the context of uh, proxy solicitations this year. Okay. Hmm. Okay, just sort of getting back to my original question. I mean, does this, I don't know, is it going to change the face of corporate governance at all? Well, I, I, I certainly hope it changes the perception. Let, let me tell you, you, you mentioned earlier, what's the end game? What, why, why is Broadridge doing this? Why is the industry doing this? And I think that that, that, answers, that that answer helps answer this question as well. At the end of the day, what all of us care most about is making sure that we have a system that works, where proxies are delivered on time, votes are cast in accordance with uh, the wishes of the owners of those shares, that annual meetings are uh, conducted in a way that gives everyone the utmost level of confidence in the ultimate outcome from those meetings. And, and for us, and for really the CII, the society, for all of the participants in this process, that is our overarching goal. And to the, effect, to, the, to the extent that we are um, unsuccessful, that will be to the detriment of the system overall and to your question, to the detriment of the perception of corporate governance. Hmm. And so, you know, we're not making any money off of this. In fact, it's the opposite. We and everybody else in this process is just spending more. Uh, you know, for us, we've got to bring in new headcount. We're building in new technology. We've, we've got to be really careful about how we're managing resources to make sure that we can actually promise for what we that we can actually deliver what we're promising. It, it's the same for everybody that's participating in the process, including some of the banks and brokers who are participating in this process. But we're all doing it because at the end of the day, if the system doesn't work or is perceived as not working, that reflects poorly on all of us, right? It undermines confidence in the proxy voting system and undermines pro- confidence in corporate governance. And all of us believe to our core that having good corporate governance is a virtue uh, that we all should be, you know, trying to uh, achieve. It's a, you know, a goal that's worthy in and of it, itself. And so 
ultimately, all of us, and look, I got to tell you, it, this is not, you asked this question, it hasn't been easy. It's been, it's been very hard to get to an agreement here. We all have different incentives, different cost structures, et cetera, but we're doing it because, because it has to be done. And, and look, I'm, I can't promise that we're going to get everything 100% right this season, because as you know, things happen, right? But for, and, and I know the IR folks on the, you know, listening to this podcast will appreciate that, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we have to try. We have to try. We've been we've been working on this. I mean, literally, I, look, I've been, you know, practicing uh, in this space for you know more than twenty years, and I can say unequivocally that this has been something that people have talked about for decades. At this point, decades, and and finally, we decided this year that we could no longer keep kind of doing this piecemeal. We needed to come together with an industry solution to provide the you know investors and companies, IR, corporate secretary folks the confidence in the system that they deserve. And that, that's really what this is about. And that's your Ticker Podcast. My thanks to Broadridge's Keir Gums. And thank you for listening. In Montreal, I'm Jeff Cassette.